It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. We got a three-man weave going here. Ben Sandig, you recognize my voice, presumably. You also recognize the voice of these other two gentlemen, Todd Dibus, uh, currently unaffiliated, Adam Rubin with TruthAboutIt.net. Uh, Adam's like the only one here who's got the steady gig. That's, <laughs> Todd and I are bouncing around at the moment. Uh, speaking of bouncing around, the Wizards are bouncing around in terms of consistency, and they've once again landed on the uh, the downside of that equation. They just lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. What was the final score today? That is the wrong score. They lost by they, they lost because Giannis had an insane game once again. Even though ultimately for most of the game he wasn't even that insane. They lost 104 to 95. Bucks with an 11-0 run late after Wizards had a three-point lead in a game in which they had a season-high 24 turnovers. Bradley Beal still can't make a shot late in the game. Otto Porter isn't right. Uh, yada yada yada. Blah blah blah. Here we go again. That's my that's my that's my starting analysis. Uh, Todd, give me what, what, what's your. We, we I got some points to go through. What's your main takeaway as we stand here? The Wizards finishes homestand two and three. We were talking last week about them in the clutch, quote-unquote, games within five with five minutes to go. We had another one of those today. They stumped the last five minutes of the game today, and they lost. And they continue to have trouble with Milwaukee, which is starting to hint at, you know, they don't want to see them somehow early on in the playoffs, certainly not in the first round and in like a 4-5 scenario. That would be very bad news for them. It's so strange. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. So... You know, just this down-the-stretch stuff needs to be better. There's no reason. It's not like you don't have multiple options. It's not like you don't have experience together. It's not like you haven't done this at a pretty high level in the playoffs in the past and even being pretty good at it last season. So that's one of the great anomalies of this bizarro season for me so far. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Um, Adam, Liddell, at Liddell's Place on Twitter, you have one uh, primary takeaway. 
from this game or if you want the, the entire five-game homestand? Well, I'll just go with this game. I thought Wall, sometimes when he's playing against players, it seems like like Eric Bledsoe, someone from college, he gets in his mind that he needs to be the scorer. He needs to take over. He does that other games as well, but this one seemed to have been just way out of control with his drives to the basket, just forcing things. Even when he did score, that was great, but he wasn't looking to pass, and when he did, he was jumping and with no options and turning it over. and just You know Wall's having trouble when he does the turnovers where he's sprinting down court and just loses the dribble. That's when it's really when he goes out of control and it's, it's sort of a bad sign. So that's what basically the last five minutes were, just a bunch of bunch of turnovers and poor play. Yeah, so, okay, so there's lots of angles to get to. But let's start with the, the kind of where you just went in terms of, like, the, the, the number of shot attempts for people. So last year <clears throat> I uh, spent way too much time looking at how many – uh, field goal attempts Wall and Beal took relative to the rest of the team and tried to find where it made sense for them. You know, what was the sweet spot for them taking shots c- compared to the other teams? And basically what I've – in the data that I looked at last year, I didn't track the whole season, but three-quarters of it about, it was between like 41 and 44% of their – they took 41 to 41% of the team's field goal attempts. The Wizards were winning like all the time. When it went up above that – is when things started to go wrong. Especially north of 50%, 50% of the shots, right? Yeah. In the last five games, so this entire homestand, they have taken in each game 48.7, 51.2, 40, which was the Orlando win when they scored a million points, 50.5, and 51.3. Uh, you two, mentioned, get two of those games against the Bucks, who are hugely overloading their sides as well. Yeah. So my, my thing is – so. I, the, I, look, this is basic basketball. We all have played or we all play basketball. It's not that hard, but you, no matter what level you're at, if you're not getting the ball, especially I would say early, you're not getting up a couple of shots, you're not getting your hands on the ball, whatever, the odds of you playing better as the game goes on decreases, especially if you're somebody who's actually thinking you're going to maybe score as opposed to, say, maybe like a defensive center or, or Bruce Bowen type. Well, so I keep thinking, well, the Wall and B are taking so many shots in the first quarter. I mean, Wall had 16 points, but he was putting up a, a, a ton of shots. Obviously, Beal, you want them to shoot, but I keep wondering to what degree are we getting where these other guys aren't getting enough of the ball? We always used to joke about how Gortat would get the first play of every game. I always thought that was a good thing, silly or not. Let him get interest invested early. I'm not saying he's completely checking out, and same with Marquise, but I mean, you know. Especially when John Henson's the opposing starting center. Like you can feel free to do that once in a while. That would not that would not be a bad idea at all. I mean, how many shots of the starter that did Beal Wall take tonight, and how many shots did the rest of the starters combined take? So the other three starters took twenty shots total. John Wall took twenty two. Beal took seventeen. So S- almost two to one out of those two guys versus the other three. Right. So I mean, you know, and, and look, I mean, Wall had twenty seven points. He got to the line thirteen times. Made 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 twelve uh, nine assists. You know, four turnovers is, is within a margin of error for him. That that's fine. But seven of twenty two from the field. And like I said, it, it, this isn't when just. When did he start? First quarter. Uh, great question. I'm gonna look one second here. First six, quarter, six, six, he was six, six of ten. He was six of ten and finished what? <laughs> seven of twenty two. He would, so he was six of ten and finished what? I guess that would be one of tw- uh, one of twelve. Correct. Okay, so 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 in and of itself, the amount of shots they're taking now, interestingly enough, to this point, uh, second time this homestand, because this is this is a thing that keeps being in my head that they're taking too many shots. I brought up this idea of the Brooks, and in each case, he didn't. Today, I specifically said that they're taking a high percentage of shots. Are you okay with that? And he specifically said 
He didn't really answer that. He just said he needs more from Otto Porter to get more involved. He needs Otto to to do more, run more, what have you, which is interesting that he's now said this twice. Now, clearly, watching Otto play, he's running around like an old man, relatively speaking, for an NBA player, but he's clearly not sprinting up and down the court with ease. That's affecting his shot. Um, it was pointed out to me that when Kelly was in the game, he, playing essentially the same role as Otto, was getting some of these open shots, and he was taking advantage of them. So it's not like they're not in the offense. Otto's not there. I, I think this is something to, to, to be further concerned about, both in terms of his health, but also uh, they got to you know, somebody has to get the ball to somebody. I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain that. He's, I don't, is he not really moving enough to get the ball? If he's not, then put in somebody else or sell, let him sit for four games to get rest. I know this isn't working, and they have to get that going. So I just thought it was interesting that Brooks brought up that aspect of it for the second time on this homestand. Well, before the Brooklyn game, Brooks said that Otto needs to get the ball more, but it was interesting, like what he said today, he didn't say, I need to call more plays for him. He said, I can't go out there and run for him. I can't go out there and get free for picks for Otto. He needs to do that. So he was implying, at least, that part of the issue with Otto's shots is Otto. It's not necessarily the plays being called for him or necessarily Wall not passing to him. So I thought that was interesting because most people just say, hey, run some place for Otto, get him the ball. And Brooks was implying it's not it's not that simple. So I think whether it's the hip, whether it's his other injuries or not, yeah, he's not he's not moving as well as he as he did previously. Um, to the to that point, or just the fact that those three other starters are not getting as many touches as you? What's your sense of that? It's. I think there's a there's a portion of validity to what Brooks said about Otto Porter, but also when Spencer Dinwiddie is on Markeith Morris because they're putting their better defenders on John and Brad, then you need to get the ball to Markeith Morris. And Markeith Morris, uh, to go all, who is it, Giselle here, can't pass it to himself. Is that who had a thing about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right? The, yes. Yeah, my old friend Giselle. Right. Um, so, you know, that's up to the point guard. That's up to the shooting guard if he's going to be blitzed to make the right decision and not turn the ball over seven times like he did today and go 0 for 4 from the field in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line and have turn in another very poor fourth quarter, which has been a season-long trend for Beal as much as he's done so many other things well. So, you know, and Scott Brooks can say that about Porter, and he's right. The, but Scott Brooks also can't control the flow of the game in the middle of everything. Those decisions are up to John and Brad. They touch the ball most. They have the high usage rates. They have to help make it happen for other people. Here's a uh, hot take, at least a contemplative hot take. I'm only looking here at these numbers throughout there were the last five games, but it's not a – so, uh, whatever, even if it's just the last five games or since the calendar turned to 2018, what have you. One thing that's happened in the last week to 10 days to two weeks is that they've released all star ballot numbers. And <laughs> we know that uh, Beal is, you know, like ninth or tenth or wherever he's at, and Wall was fifth. He dropped the sixth. Neither one of them may get voted in. I don't think that in and of itself is a surprise. But there has been a lot of conversation about, hey, how come these guys aren't getting more. Attention, do they have to do more, blah, 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 blah. Do we think that there's any chance that in their head they're like, well, I gotta get, just like, you know, we gotta get numbers count. If you're not, if you're not getting the highlights, especially, which is maybe, you know, whatever. If you're not getting on the highlights, you have to make the numbers such that people can't ignore it. Do we think there's any chance that they are taking more shots of late 
because in the back of their head they're like, hey, I got to get more notice here for the All Star. Well, the people who are going to put them in the All Star game are the people who are going to notice be more than anyone else whether they're doing the right thing and making the right play against how the defense is playing them, and that's the opposing coaches. So I don't understand how if they end up with is like Brooks today post game when. He thought they played pretty good defense on Giannis because it took him, what, 23 shots to get 27 points. And basically, you're going to live with that if that's the result. Well, it's the same concept for these two guys. If it takes you 22 shots to get 25 points, no coach is going to walk out of here and go, oh, wow, that was impressive. But if you score 22 and get everyone else involved and you win, then that's going to be something that's going to impress an opposing coach. Obviously, they, they all have to game plan for Wall and Beal, and they do that from the start. Um, if you're able to unlock that game plan to some degree, I think that goes further than, you know, I just forced it all night and got some numbers, and now the opposing coaches should like me for an all-star spot. Scale of 1 to 10, how much are you buying my uh, all-star hot take? I'll put it at a 1. <laughs> Because Beal... Can we make the scale 0 to 10 and then see what he puts to that? Beal's been getting shots up all season. I know that he... You know, he's ninth or whatever. He wasn't voting. But that's that's should be expected. I mean, people are conflating his all-star chances with the voting. I mean, it was never, he was never going to be voted on. So that's true. I would hope that he would understand that. I know he did. he's mentioned he'd like to get more votes and passing and things like that. So I think it does matter to him where he is in the voting. But... I don't think he's going out there trying to get 50 just because he thinks some kids in, you know, Minnesota are going to give him some extra votes. I mean, uh, and I think they've been doing this all season. That, that's the only reason why I'm also saying that. This is, was a problem early on in the season. Bill's got, you know, plenty of shots up there. And, and Wall does this periodically where he just drives to the rim and, you know, complains about no calls. I mean, he had four turnovers. I'm surprised it's so low. But a lot of those drives where he had no shot and just put it up, those were effectively turnovers because they led to two points the other way. So, uh, you know, his drives resulted in a lot of points for Milwaukee, almost as much as it did for, for Washington. He had one play. I can't remember which. It was the end of one of the quarters. He, I think it was maybe the end of the second quarter. There was like, I forget where the shot clock was, but with like about eight, ten seconds left in the quarter, he's dribbling in like a way that like that gets the crowd ooing and eyeing because it looks fun, but he's got like three guys around him, and instead of Oh, yeah, I got three guys around me. Let me throw it Quartet somewhere. Quartet was wide open underneath while he was doing that. Yeah, yeah. so he does that. T- ends up taking a long two. They get the rebound and immediately go down and score a fast break layup and took the lead at halftime. And then they kind of uh, pushed, pulled it away a little bit more in the third quarter, which put them in the comeback mode. So yeah, that that still happens. And uh, that okay, that's frustrating. L- let's um, let's get to another topic here on the Locked On Wizards podcast. Oh wait, before we get to that, how about how fun was that Giannis uh, long snap? Hike. That was so awesome. I mean, literally, he just he did the, the, picked the Blues ball, did the was bent over, threw, went between his legs like he's Nick Sunberg, and hit Chris Middle did perfectly in stride for a touchdown or sorry for a layup. Uh, that that was. Uh, I mean, Wizards aside, Giannis. I mean, he, he I mean, that was was that the quietest twenty twenty game ever. I mean, it was like you look at the stats like, oh my lord, how did he do that? Yeah, well, there wasn't a lot of weak side help. Plus, he's Giannis. So put those two things together, and there's going to be 20 rebounds for him just tipping in things at his leisure uh, coming off the weak side after the, the guys who were supposed to guarding him were picked, and then the help came for someone else, and then there's Giannis by himself 
eight foot six approximately, and then uh, tipping it back in. So that's going to happen. I do take issue with a couple. He's gotten sort of LeBron-like calls now where he's clearly traveling, taking three steps when he's starting from the three-point line. definitely traveling. And they're really letting him get away with that. And it's unfair. One time he got an and one on Otto where Otto was sort of in front of him the whole time. They let him travel, and then because Otto had some contact when he went up, they gave him the and one. It's like you can't guard him. You can't contest his threes and also get back if he's going to be allowed to take three steps to get to the lane. So... But again, he obviously has other skills that are not just reliant on getting the three steps. But that's one thing he really does. They really do let him get away with that too much. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, all right, here's my other uh, pet peeve topic. Uh, or not pet peeve topic, but something we have to talk about a bunch. And this sort of ties in with this uh, clutch situation you're talking about. The, today was another game in which Scott Brooks went to a nine-man rotation. Jody Meeks is out. I know that makes Todd a happy man. Not that he doesn't like Jody Meeks, but has not been working for the most part. Okay. But my contention has been that's fine to go to a nine-man – or sorry, it's fine to bench Meeks. I don't think it's fine to go to a nine-man rotation, though, because he keeps playing these guys more minutes. So, for example, in these in these five games – John Wall has played 42, 42, 36, 40, 41. Beal has played 42, 40, 36, 43, 41. Now, I understand the LeBron superhuman can play these minutes. I understand that you have to ask your all-star players to play higher minutes. But this is more of an, this is more of a playoff thing. This is one of four, of 82. Uh, you know, I know they have a day off tomorrow, but like you keep doing this. This is, they've done this this whole stretch. This is also the third game in four nights. This is a three game, four night stretch in the middle of that. And, and so look, I get that Jody Meeks is not playing great. Nobody's going to argue the other, the opposite. But this goes either back to, well, okay, then either put, get somebody else on the bench. By the way, they, Brooks today essentially confirmed that they're not going to bring up, they're not going to add a second two way player. Now, if you hypothetically had the second two way player and it's, somebody who you think can maybe give you a few minutes in the backcourt, then you wouldn't have to play these guys as much if you don't think that Meeks can do it. I would argue that you should play Meeks because, I mean, these minutes are too much, and now we're talking about another game in which things are falling apart late. To that point with Beal in particular, in his last, in this homestand, in the fourth quarter, 1 for 15 from the field, 0 for 8. In his last seven games in the fourth quarter, 3 for 27, 0 for 11 from 3. Now, I don't know. Some of that maybe started to get into his head. I don't know what. I'm not saying it's all fatigue. They're obviously all in great shape. But if these things keep happening, playing in them excessive minutes just seems like a lot. And minutes are all relative. Beal runs around a ton on the court trying to get open. And when you then ask him to play point guard, you're putting even more responsibility on him. And John, obviously. And he's a major defensive assignment, too, every night. Right. And John typically is running 100 miles an hour up and down the court. He's not, I mean, maybe we can question his defense sometimes. But, you know, for the most part, he's going, he's he's moving all over the place. So they're not just, like, passively hanging out. Well, this is all the more reason also to get everyone else involved and try to take some of the weight off of them usage-wise. But, um, but I'm with you. I mean, Beal was at. 35.8, I think, after 40 games, um, which is a career high for him, the 14th highest average in the league. 
and he was asked, you know, how he felt and whatever, and he said he felt great and he didn't feel burned out and all these other things, but his fourth quarter numbers sure seem to hint that something's going on at the end of the game um, beyond him just simply missing. I mean, he's getting some pretty good shots, and it's it is a strange. It's just the roster is so strange now with the open spots and the not doing something with another two way player. Not that that's even a remedy, but it's just. Common sense wise, why would you not have try to find something else somewhere Especially, that costs so little when you're a capped out team? It's, it's utterly ridiculous for them to say we feel comfortable where you are. What you're doing is you're beating your starters in the ground in the middle of the season because you're being cheap on the back end of the roster. It's baffling. Especially when if you where we have gone through this a bunch, but you know Sheldon Mack out for the year. Okay, that's a waste. That's an empty spot. Chris McCullough essentially doesn't play when he's when he's with the team, and then you literally have an open spot. So it was like, okay, at least if you're taking the advantage of the two way players with both spots, as essentially all but like five or six teams in the league have at least two. So it's pretty rare. So at least you're like, okay, at least they're doing that. So they're in their head. They're doing, we can maybe save a few dollars instead of having the 14th guy who won't play much. We'll have the two two ways. But then they cut. Mike Young, and now they don't even have that. So it, it it really is frustrating. When on top of it, you see the minutes that they're putting on these guys. We're only midway through the year. They still have a long way to go. And you're asking John and Brad. By the way, they're about to start a five game road trip. Most of their next ten, fifteen games are on the road, mm-hmm. and that's going to only make it worse if you're playing these guys all these minutes. But whenever asked about it, Brooks never seems to care too much about it. He says they don't practice a ton, so that you know, I can put it more out there. All right, I don't know, but the note that the minutes seem to reflect this. And by the way, one other last thing on this before I let you uh, talk, Mr. Rubin. Let's not forget what happened last year in the playoffs. The reason on part they fell to Boston was the starters were getting tired, and that was because they didn't trust the bench. But apparently you're not trusting the bench again if you're playing them all these minutes. So uh, we just saw this in the playoffs. It's not working. By the way, this does tie into a different point with, of course, with you here we need to point out. Uh, Sadoransky, of course, now, he's not only the backup point guard, he's now officially the backup two guard, so he's now surpassed the two guys they added in the offseason on the depth chart and the rotation. He's the only guard who's playing behind Wall and Beal, in essence, right now. So uh, congrats on that. But uh, <laughs> where are you on this whole uh, minutes uh, saga? Well, if you look at it specifically, from the bench, Oubre played 35 minutes. So if he's going to get any rest for Wall and Beal, the only two guys who can come in are Mike Scott and Sadoransky. So, and Mike Scott, if you go to a small ball, you know, to get minutes to somehow sit Beal down. So each of, so Sadoransky played 13 minutes. Mike Scott played 16. So if you're going to bench Frazier and you're going to bench Meeks and Jason Smith and McCullough, that's your option. Your option is only Sadoransky in the backcourt. And I have no idea why in a game like this he played 13 minutes. He was playing extremely well. He was actually playing defense on whoever he was manned up on. He played well on Giannis one possession. He played much better on than Bledsoe than I mean Beal wasn't anywhere near Bledsoe or Wall on multiple shots. I mean, I, I mean basically because they were behind. So Brooks, once they get behind, he just doesn't feel comfortable going with the bench. He, this happened in the, the last game we went through. This where Sadoransky didn't play much in the second half because he just goes to Wall and Beal and goes from there. Yeah, but he can play. He should be if he's now the if Meeks is being DNP. Sadoransky should now be playing at least fifteen to twenty minutes a game. Because he can play for both backups. He can play with Beal alongside him and make him the backup point guard. He can play alongside Wall for some as the backup shooting guard. So if you're gonna if you're gonna bench Meeks, 
there's no other option on the roster. It's going to go to more roster construction situations. Well, right, but if he played Beal and Wall 41 minutes, right, exactly. that means there's 14 minutes left over, and he played 12 and a half. So he basically played all of it. There, he just he just doesn't. Brooks is not trusting anybody to play more than that. Right. He's, but, but yeah, Adam's saying if you dial back John and Brad by five minutes each, and then you add that 10 to Sadoransky, you get him for 23 minutes, and you get them down in the. 30s. And you get a guy who's hustling against this team. There was no Otto, whether, for whatever reason, I mean, there were rebounds that bounced in front of Otto that he didn't go for. I mean, so for whatever reason, they're not hustling enough. Markeith wasn't hustling as well as he should have today. So just from the point of getting a guy who's going to hustle out there as well, it helps to have him, have him out there running. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, but it does seem like it almost doesn't matter, right? I mean, he just he just... And I need to, this is where I need to go back and read all the things people wrote about Brooks at Oklahoma City. But it wasn't part of one of the narratives. He played the starters too many minutes and this, that, and the other. And, and, it, and it feels like we're now, especially in year two of this, I mean, last year I understood the bench was not giving him anything, especially as the, as the season progressed. Right. But, but we're not having that issue as much now. I mean, between Ubre, Scott, Sadoransky, right. and Mahimi, who did all play today, they all played at least 12 minutes and – you know, if you just look at it from a plus-minus perspective. Yeah, look at the starters well, versus the look, bench. Look at the plus-minus. You have, you have, you have Ubre, and, I mean, I've and Mahimi. I think we're both plus eight. Yeah, they were both plus both. eight in basically 12, 13 minutes. And the starters were anywhere from, at best, even to minus, Beals minus 24. Yeah, so it's not the issue. Obviously, last year was disastrous. You couldn't go to the bench at all. But here, it just seems like, as you were, you were saying, to play 41 minutes back-to-back, and you're listing what they were playing all five games, it just makes... It makes no sense, especially in a game like this, where Beal, I mean, the seven turnovers were atrocious for Beal, and he's not making shots. So, I mean, that's not the guy you have to be forcing out there to, to run the entire offense. Also, Milwaukee's on the second night of a back-to-back. So, why don't you kind of slow play your starters, and so you have them to play more at the end and have them fresher? Why, why don't you slow play them late in the first quarter and into the second, and then up their minutes in the second half? Um, that instead of just going with the regular heavy rotation, leave him out there, leave him out there, leave him out there. I think John played all 12 minutes of the first quarter. He was playing well, obviously, but still you're, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Is that the phrase, right? So it, it just doesn't make sense. A lot of this doesn't make sense on a lot of levels. Um, it, it, but the only level it does make sense on is it's sticking with this is one of the strangest seasons that I think there could be because there we keep bumping into all these flaws. They're what nine, five games over now, twenty-five and nineteen. Six games over five hundred. We're in here talking about them as if it's you know, like a disaster. Like, like they're six games under, right? You know, and everyone expected them to be a semi-decent team. But I, I guess it just does feel like I mean, because I, I think it's also one of those things where we're looking ahead. They, they have had. Because they've had all these games against these under 500 teams that we keep talking about, they've had more of those than a lot of these other teams. They've had one of the easier schedules, strength of schedules to date. So we know what's coming ahead to just to go two and three on a homestand when you're about to go on the road for forever is uh, no bueno. Yeah, and again, it's the like the two against Milwaukee. Okay, you should have at a minimum probably split those. But it was the one other one that yeah you know, the Utah makes, game yeah, yeah Utah that makes you roll your eyes and it's just in keeping with what they've been doing all season you you have a giveaway here and then you compound it when you play a good team because that's going to be much more difficult and if you lose 
you know, and a lot of t- a lot of times, sometimes you just lose. They're just better that night. But Man, you I would, can't have the Utahs behind that. And I would assume, this is not relevant necessarily, but I would assume they didn't cover the spread in any of these games. I mean, because like in Orlando and Brooklyn game, they wasn't, I mean, maybe, I don't know what the spreads were, but like, but like you know, presumably, we know those games are too tight, you know, for, for, for who the opponents are and the whole situation. So, yeah, I don't know. The, Pick, play Sadoransky more in the first half, play Meeks at all, and then in the second half, if you're like, okay, we're losing, I gotta go to the starters, fine. But to immediately, right off the bat, go that way, it just seems like you're setting yourself up for what happens, seemingly keeps happening. Uh, but look, and again, if the issue is you just don't trust anybody, then go get somebody else. Not even say you have to make the big trade now, whatever that may be, but you gotta go do something. Well, it's, it's interesting because I know Brooks always says that he has a good relationship with Ernie. And, you know, around draft time, and, you know, he always says, I like being here. We talk about things. I'd have to imagine that Brooks is well aware of these issues. And the fact that it's not a small thing that he's benching Meeks. I mean, that's huge. That's their big, small shooting guard acquisition. He does not want to play. I know he's playing Sadoransky now as backup point guard. He does not want to play Sadoransky as the backup shooting guard. This is out of, like, absolute necessity. And there's so much, you know, there's a two roster spots at the end of the bench. I have to figure Brooks has had a conversation and maybe, you know, at some point. He's not sitting there saying, I want Sadoransky to be my shooting guard. But this is, this is a huge, huge thing to be benching Meeks. Remember just benching Frazier it was a huge deal to then DMP him to give it to Sadoransky. Now you're benching Meeks and giving him DMPs to give it to Sadoransky. That, that's not the way anybody in the front office was envisioning this season. And that's why I'm so surprised they haven't made a move. But also there's, there's discussions that are being had. I mean, they, they constantly say Sadoransky is, you know, not a point guard, not a shooting guard. He's really a small forward. I mean, there's no way this is in any way keeping with Anyone's expectations. And by the way, they didn't bench Meeks for Sadoransky. They benched Meeks to give Wall and Beal more minutes. If it's not like Sadoransky's playing more, they actually are just playing those other two more. That's the real issue. If they were benching him and Sadoransky was getting 20-plus minutes a game, then that would be different. But that's not actually what's happening, which is, I think, sort of the problem we're all talking about. All right. In any event, it's time to get out of here. Todd's giving me the look like, hey, dude, we got to go. So uh, let's get out of here. we got things to do. Happy uh, happy Monday, early one here. Uh, Martin Luther King holiday. Uh, I have nothing eloquent to say on the subject other than to say, obviously, it's a, it, it's a time to reflect and, uh, and all that, and players were asked about it, and uh, some of them had some good thoughts. Uh, check that out. All right, Adam, Todd, appreciate it. Catch you guys later, and to everybody else, see you. Deal gets open for three. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.